one of her friends came. <laughs> and so, and like a bunch of her friends were there. And so I was singing some of the Missy Elliott, of okay. course, as yeah. it was playing. It was the song for my people, I remember specifically. Okay. And as I was singing it, her friend, who I've never met before, yeah. said, <laughs> said, Travis, who sings this? And I was like, Missy Elliott. She's like, let's keep it that way. Ooh! And it like shook me to my core. <laughs> Forever. For years. I remember I remember this. Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. We're coming to you from the Java Novafagian Center for Brain Health at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. And today we'll be speaking to one of the happiest people I know, Dr. Travis Hodges. He is a postdoctoral fellow at UBC studying the sex-specific neural underpinnings of negative cognitive bias, pessimism, in depression. Hopefully I got that all right. If not, he will correct me. <laughs> he studies under Dr. Lisa Galea, who's also the head of the graduate program in neuroscience at UBC. Now, given that you and I have spoken about your absolutely phenomenal mentors, I thought today's topic could be about the importance of mentorship in STEM. But let's start from the very beginning. What's your story? I'll start in a bit of high school. Okay. Because for some reason, and I don't know why. Okay. So I took a course in psychology okay. in high school. Mm -hmm. And from that course, because before that course, I wanted to be an artist. Okay. I wanted That's to draw. That's awesome. Um, Mostly charcoal mm -hmm. kind of drawings. I used to love drawing a lot. I still do, mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't done it in quite some time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to go into the art route, but then I took a psychology course in high school and really loved it. And so on the way into graduate, well, not graduate school, undergraduate, mm -hmm. I knew right away, I was like, I want to do, actually, for some reason, I took that psychology course and was like, I want to do psychiatry. Mm -hmm. I don't know what TV show I saw. <laughs> And I was like, psychiatry is a thing for me. Yeah. I want to work with humans, uh -huh. which never again. <laughs> you should never work Not with humans. Nope. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so went in thinking psychiatry, psychiatry, psychiatry. I mm -hmm. uh, did my first year, took chemistry, biology, physics, yeah. and a psychology course mm -hmm. um, all at once. And linear algebra for fun on the side. Yeah, funsies. Um, did that fun <laughs> round and then... Uh, through that psychology course, I think that intro psychology course, I learned what psychiatry was actually going to be. What did you think it was? So I don't know what I had in my head. You were just like, I, I like about the way it sounds. Prescribing drugs. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do this. I can <laughs> prescribe <laughs> some treatments to people. What um, TV show did you watch this I do not know. Passions? No, passions, <laughs> passions did not have any. <laughs> I love passions, by the way. Do you really? Breathe I didn't know that. Breathe that. <laughs> um, not passions. Uh, some TV show, but then I took that psychology course. Yeah. They cleared my mind. <laughs> I knew what psychiatry was. Mm. I knew what psychology would entail. Yeah. And then I started taking all the psychology courses after that. Gotcha. Um, but that soon also swapped, switched, because at the beginning, again, I was like, I'm going to work with humans. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm going to maybe measure their behaviors, things like that. And then in my second year, I took a course with who would soon become my honors thesis supervisor, mm -hmm. Dr. L. James Shapiro, who is still at University of Manitoba. Um, the course was uh, ethology. Okay. 
Describe what that is. So it was all about uh, the study of animal behavior Mm -hmm. and recording animal behavior and studying animal behavior. And so what the course ended up being, what I did not know it was going to be, was a series of (laughs) great events. A series of field trips, um, which, yeah, no other university course you're going to go on a field trip. Exactly. Um, <laughs> even though the field trip was to the dump. Um, but, so let's begin. <laughs> so the beginning of the course is, so what you have to do, one of the first things you have to do is take some flies, you catch them in the wild. Like houseflies? <laughs> Any fly you can find. <laughs> okay. Catch them, breed them. Yeah. And then monitor the behavior of the babies and of the fly parents. Okay. And so you do that as one part of the course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, normal. (laughs) A second thing you get to do, they take you to the animal facility and you get to watch, (laughs) watch budgies. What are budgies? Oh, they're like all oh, the very cute little birds. Oh, that's Super adorable. Super cute little birds. Are they songbirds? Um, I don't know what the budgies do. I feel like they're a little bit tropical. Oh, are they? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have some in the facility there that you sit in a room with. And usually they make a lot of noise. But when a bunch of humans <laughs> start sitting <laughs> with them, they yeah. do not make any sound because oh. they're watching you yeah. stare at them. So they watch and you watch them. So we would do this for weeks yeah. and weeks on end where we'd all go down to the animal facility and just sit there staring at them. Uh-huh. And they'd sit there staring at us. <laughs> and we'd be trying to record their behavior. But if you make any sound, they would stop what they're doing and look at you and be like, why are you doing this? Um, but it taught us that they would soon, not soon, weeks later, <laughs> habituate to the amount of people in the room. And then you could start recording their actual behaviors that they would be performing normally. Or you just get a camera and just record their behaviors when they're not in the room, which I have done. I think that would probably be the most ideal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I understand the lesson. Yes, it was a lesson that he would definitely not stay around for Dr. Shapiro (laughs) leave. And we'd just be there in the room like, why are we doing this? Um, Lots of fun, though. So that was one thing. Third thing. So we did flies, we did budgies. Third thing was Canada geese. Mm-hmm. So we would watch the geese uh, as they would come to the man-made lakes that were are all around Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So you'd sit by a man-made lake, you'd see the geese come in, yeah. fly away for four months. So for the whole semester, right? Um, you would go out, <laughs> watch the geese, count how many geese are in the man-made lake, mm-hmm. and watch their behaviors. Okay. And study their behaviors, mark them all down. Yeah. You'd count the geese, they'd get to, I had, by the end of November, there'd be hundreds, hundreds of geese that I'd be counting. Of course, not accurately <laughs> counting. That'd be really hard. I'd make a circle with my hand or my eyes and just be like, this is 10. <laughs> and I would just multiply that across the lake. Who's going <laughs> to, no one was going to be watching me no doing gonna this. verify. Yes, no. I got it pretty accurate. I'm sure it was accurate. Um, fourth thing was trip to the dump. So we went to the dump as a group, yeah. field trip, went to the dump, saw a bunch of birds, wildlife there, recorded their behaviors at the dump, which <laughs> was my first time going to a dump. Yeah, I can imagine. That's not a frequent place. <laughs> like no one knows where the dumps are. <laughs> I figured, I knew where it was then and got to watch the animals. Yeah. The smell to me, I was like, I guess this is... 
what I'm in for. <laughs> Which nowadays, I'm like, nothing phases me. So did you go into the class knowing that the field trips were going to no. be a part of this? No, you just signed up. No, and you're like, okay, I just saw a course that was like animal behavior. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm interested in non-human animal behavior. Okay. And I was like, I'm interested in that. Yeah. And it, was, it turned out to be really fun. Um, <laughs> at the end of the course, though, you have to make I don't know if this course still exists, which you have to create. It's a second year course. Mm -hmm. You'd have to make a 40-page-ish paper on all of the behaviors you've recorded, all of the methods you've used, what your findings were, even if they were nothing. That course got me really interested into animal behavior, Mm -hmm. non-human animal behavior. So did my honors thesis with Dr. James Shapiro. Mm Did it with ducklings, oh, uh, my so little mallards. Oh. Yes, my little domestic mallards. Yeah. I had 107 eggs. Oh. I got to incubate them. Yeah. I got to, every day for 20-something days, spray them with water every day to simulate their mother coming from the water and sitting onto them. Wow. Yeah, see, I, I got really into That's it. That's legit. I looked into them every day with a little flashlight to make sure that they were like doing well. Yeah. Yes, and they did. Aww. And <laughs> so careful not to drop them because I knew a little, a little, a little body there. would fall out oh. and I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And, <laughs> and yeah, so... I could not eat eggs for months and months because of this procedure. I can imagine because you have this loving attachment to these little creatures. To these my little babies. And when they're born, it smells like fried eggs. (laughs) So I could not eat eggs. (laughs) My mom would be like, want some fried eggs? And I'd be like, no, 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 none of that. Yeah. Um, But I loved them. Um, So they would not imprint on me. I could only see them in the dark. Uh, during my study, oh, wow. I'd come into a dark room with a little red light attached to my head. Yeah. And so all they saw, which I'm sure scarred them for life, <laughs> was a red light would come into the room and a blue glove would reach <laughs> for them. And they'd be gathered in the corner like, ah! And I would <laughs> just so- grab them. <laughs> Stuff them in a box. Basically, what you're telling me is that for your undergrad, you traumatized ducklings. That was your study. And that's why I do stress research. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming to me now. I'm like, oh, this is why I do this. Uh, in that same year that I was doing my thesis, mm-hmm. I took a course on endocrinology. Okay. Um, and so through that course, I got to... Uh, do some presentations on uh, research, primary research articles, Mm -hmm. which I had not done too much of up to that point. And I got really interested in the articles I was reading, Mm -hmm. and they did center around stress. And from that moment, Mm -hmm. I knew that I kind of want to do something maybe with stress research. And so I did the thing that all um, honors thesis students <laughs> probably do, um, or some of them do, that want to go into masters, which is find some researchers that research something that you're somewhat interested in. And so I found a bunch of stress researchers, sent them all emails, read their work, sent them emails being like, this is your work, part of your work that I love. I would love to work with you. And I got an email back basically right away from who would soon become a master's and PhD advisor, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Cheryl McCormick at Brock University. Nice. 
And in the email itself, she was like, "I'll fly you over here. You can come see the lab and everything."、Oh. And I was like, "Oh well,、um, I'm gonna be there anyway. Like I, I have family in、uh, Toronto, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I do go visit them from time to time. So I was like, 'I'm gonna be in Ontario anyway, so、yeah. I can just swing down and see the lab and stuff.'、Yeah. And so that's what I did. Got to meet with her. I feel like we connected、uh, very early on. Okay. And now, at this point in time, I am—we are basically the same human,、um, <laughs> which is what happens sometimes with your graduates you <laughs> advisors. Yes, and you're like,、bond. I'm not going to become like them. It's just like your parents. <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to become like them. And then you notice little things that you do with your new volunteers <laughs> that you have <laughs> and students that you have <laughs> that you're running, and you're like, Oh no! <laughs> Why has this happened to me? <laughs>、uh, at the same time, you're like, Thank goodness this has happened. Oh. <laughs> I have a workhorse because <laughs> because I worked with this wonderful person.、Um, so went there, got to meet who would soon become my lab family,、um, all the other students in the lab at the time.、Yeah. They got to show me around the campus, loved it, and I ended up going right there, right to Brock University for my master's. And stayed on for my PhD、mm-hmm. after. So I did do my master's, defended master's thesis, okay, and then made the decision after that: did I want to keep doing my PhD or not?、Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a lot based on what jobs could I get right now. Right. I knew I wanted to stay into the research field,、um, so I、uh, looked at what jobs were the requirements, what there were, were the requirements, And a lot of them were、uh, about four years lab experience、mm-hmm. or more,、mm-hmm. lab experience to be, say, a、uh, lab technician or something of the sort.、Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I guess PhD <laughs> is where it's at.、Yeah. And my project、uh, for my master's went very well, which again, not a thing that happens、uh, too often.、Mm-hmm. It was also very large in that we had to cut it to about. A third of its size to only go for my masters, and the、oh. rest became already a PhD、That's、project.、Awesome. So you、yeah. had a head start. Yes, yes. So、yeah. all those things kind of went together into a PhD would be a great、uh, thing to do. Yeah.、Um, and I love the research. Uh, uh, a lot of what Cheryl McCormick does is dealing with adolescent stress.、Uh, adolescent stress has now become a part of me. And、so I like to integrate into everything that I do, even、yeah. what I do here at UBC. Would you mind describing a little bit of the work that you do now and how how it kind of ties together? Yes, yes,、yeah. yes.、Uh, well, at the beginning, it did not really tie together because、mm-hmm. I was coming specifically. I was very interested in、uh, the transmission of behavior and changes in the brain from parent to offspring,、mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of what.、Uh, My new supervisor does, Dr. Lisa Galia,、mm-hmm. uh, which actually side note,、uh, the way that I met Lisa was through Cheryl,、uh, yeah. my advisor. Lisa、yeah. and Cheryl are friends, and so at one a couple conferences at the Society of Behavioral、um, Neuroendocrinology,、um, at conference I got to meet Lisa through Cheryl, and from that meeting I kind of knew. That Lisa was a great person to work with,、yeah. and I wanted to work with Lisa right off the bat.、Um, and then soon later,、uh, when I was looking for a new an advisor for my postdoc, I sent an email to Lisa right away, just saying,、um, "Hey, like I met you at conferences before."、Yeah. This is the voice that the email went in. 
I sent a voicemail. <laughs> this was a, no, it was email. Um, I said, uh, we've met at conferences before. Um, just very interested in your research. Like, just looking, wondering if you're looking for a postdoc. And the email I got back was, yes, come over. And I was like, well, hey. this happens. <laughs> it is a thing that can occur. Yes. Uh, but very much uh, thanks to Cheryl for... She's always um, wanting her students to do very well. Mm-hmm. So she's always pushing us all into uh, different directions. Oh. Uh, but that pushing really helped in this case. She would like, always set us up with um, people that she knew were great researchers mm-hmm. and to get to know them a little bit. And then uh, that helped, I think, everyone in my lab to find where they ended up yeah. uh, being. Would you say that each of your mentors has had similar characteristics and that's why you've enjoyed working them with so much or with them so much? Or was it that they were different, but they all had things that you either were aspiring towards or mm-hmm. had characteristics that you just meshed well with for your own success? Because you've been very successful, obviously, <laughs> and you speak so highly of these individuals. Yes. What was it? I think it was a lot a lot of luck at the mm, beginning. Because yeah. I've seen some friends of mine go into labs and then not have a good fit with their professors. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell fit um, in the first even year yeah, of really being is. with a professor. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you're if they're going to stress you out <laughs> um, or if when they get stressed, are they going to be a bit more irritated than mm-hmm. you knew at the beginning and things of the sort. Um, luckily, uh, Cheryl and I were ended up being quite similar in that we both loved working in the lab. Uh, maybe too much. Um, I know a lot of advisors don't appear in the lab uh, randomly. Uh-huh. Um, Cheryl would all the time. We would be oh. doing our own things in the lab with the animals, and we would just all of a sudden in the hallway, you'd see her appear already dressed up, good to go, and she'd be like, "Do you need any help?" And we're like, "No, no, we no, don't. No, yeah, we're like, no, 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 no." Like as soon as she appears, someone drops something, like things are just breaking, and we're like, "No, Cheryl, leave, leave." And she's like, "Come on!" And when we'd set up experiments with her, she'd always be like, "So I'll help you do this," and I'd be like, "No, no, like I have." These undergrads that I'm training right now, I will take them. She'd be like, really? And I'm like, yes, yes. And I know this is exactly how I'm going to be in the future. Um, So luckily, we ended up having a very similar um, mindset when it came to a lot of things. And that just happened, uh, I'd I'd say, by luck. Um, And I think uh, meeting Lisa, Lisa... And I, we have, we do also have uh, a lot of similarities. And that I kind of could see when I first met her at the conferences. I guess we we shared a couple similarities. So Mm -hmm. it was nice meeting them beforehand. Yeah. Um, That really, really helped Mm -hmm. uh, me decide this is who I want to work with. Um, Well, for Lisa. Um, (laughs) This is who I want to work with. But yeah, Cheryl was more... uh, good choice did you ever meet a professor that you considered working with that you then kind of changed your mind about and went nope that's not gonna work let's just wash our hands of this yeah very um (laughs) actually you know what yes there is some so i'm very um and this probably also helps me find advisors i'm very easygoing yeah um they tell me things i'm like 
I'll do it. Like, I love doing it. Um, if anyone gets mad at me, because people can get angry or irritated in situations, I just take it in and I'm like, all right, I will just do great next time. And I'm able to filter that in a way that I feel like not many people can, um, which I use to my advantage for sure. Um, probably got that from my mother. <laughs> Filtered out a lot of what she said into a lot of great things. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, so uh, there are some advisors that I know, I know other students find not great, uh, that they have had bad times with, but they would come to me and for some reason talk to me about things and be like, oh, I like you. But I think it's only because I respond in a way that's like, Oh, you're fine. Like, <laughs> I can deal with your craziness yeah. that you're saying right now yeah. and just take it in and be neutral about it because mm-hmm. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a couple that I would not work with. Okay. Um, I know it would be a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Would I survive it? Yes. I think I could survive you working with survive them. Survive anything. Yeah, I feel like, like I could survive working with them, yeah. but it would definitely be a much more harsh situation. Okay of uh, working and I know a lot of the labs that I'm talking about uh, the students that go into them Mm -hmm. have a bad time Mm -hmm. and do want to leave and maybe leave prematurely because of this case Mm -hmm. um, which is a horrible thing I think uh, if you're having a bad time in a lab um, try and find another one please because there are good labs out there you don't want this to kind of uh, structure how you're going to be for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. um and yeah, a lot of people have not great um, but yeah, experiences yeah. Uh, going into the labs. Have you found that the moves that you've made, because they're not, not major moves, mm-hmm. but you're moving provinces at this point, like you're yes. going from Manitoba to Ontario and then to British Columbia. Mm-hmm. How is that? Is it an adjustment period for you? You seem like you're, you've adjusted phenomenally. Yeah. Um. What are the difficulties? What are the great things? Because a lot of people do stay stagnant. I found that especially about Vancouverites. People who are from Vancouver stay, stay. in Vancouver. This is what I hear quite yeah. a bit. Um, I, I feel like, in, so in high school, I went on this trip. I was a part of this group called Students Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And we raised a bunch of money for... Uh, little community in uh, Embur, Senegal. Oh, nice. And so we raised a bunch of money for them. We raised money for ourselves to go down there. And we built a community center down there. And we opened up a free clinic while we were there. We brought some nurses with us. And we opened Mm -hmm. up a free clinic with a bunch of supplies. We gave a bunch of school supplies to kids and provided a bunch of glasses to um, places down there. Um, and on so on that trip, and my mom hates me for this actually. Uh, <laughs> so went on that trip, and I had a great time. My friends that were with me in the group, we had a great time meeting all the people there. Was great, mm-hmm. but I was very okay with being there in that I would not talk as much to my. Mom, yeah. while I was there, as like the other kids would go like every day and be like, "Hey, mom, how's it going?" <laughs> I'd be out somewhere, like enjoying being in Africa, um, being in uh, West Africa, mm-hmm. and I so did not talk with them as much as I could. And early on, I was very okay with just being in another place 
and uh, just adjusting to that place. Mm-hmm. And so I knew uh, when I was sending out my master's applications to different professors. I knew that I could go kind of anywhere and I'd be fine. Uh, Going to Ontario was nice because I have a bunch of family in Ontario. And so, and of course my mom loved it much more. My grandma loved it much more (laughs) that the family was there. Even though they're not in St. Catharines, Ontario, they are an hour away so I can drive to them or they can come to me Mm -hmm. uh, whenever I would need anything, which is never. Um, (laughs) But I would go up to them to visit them all the time Um, or when I had time, which is never. Uh, (laughs) Telling all the truth here. (laughs) The graduate studies. Uh, No, I'd go a couple times. Uh, (laughs) But I think that having that family there was a nice way for me to adjust to being in Ontario. Even though they weren't right next to me, it was nice knowing that they were somewhat close by. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also, the friends that I made, so my cohort of friends, uh, when I moved to uh, go to Brock University in St. Catharines, Mm -hmm. my cohort of new master's students, we became very close friends, Mm -hmm. which I think that in itself And I study social experiences and the effects on the brain and effects on behavior. Uh, That uh, group, we kept each other, I feel like we kept each other alive. We kept each other happy. We uh, would have gatherings together all the time. That helped me adjust like like nothing. Um, And when I came here to BC, um, because Lisa's lab, we are all, I feel like we're all friends now. And I feel like that helps me adjust to places, just having a good, like that I work with, having a good community that you work with mm-hmm. um, has helped me adjust in each of the places. Yeah. So you obviously know at this point how important representation to me is, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to do this podcast. Yes. Have you felt represented throughout your life? And you can talk about your own experiences as an undergrad or even Mm -hmm. earlier on and living in Winnipeg and how you identify. That's a very good question. Um, I, so living in Winnipeg, what is the common occurrence? Uh, I I grew up in uh, French immersion in high school. Um, So in each grade, I'm sure if you look at all the pictures, especially in my school in particular, there'd be one or two uh, people of color, one or two black people um, in each grade is what you'd commonly find. How big were the classes? Um, And the classes would be about 20-something. Oh, wow. Uh, close to 30, I'm sure, uh, students wow. in each class. Yeah. And I'd see similar pictures from some of my cousins that I have in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd be the token, <laughs> the two token uh, black children in their uh, classes growing up. Yeah. Um, so that's how I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, which for me, and I think it's a Winnipeg thing, uh, well, it definitely affected me quite a bit. It's a huge experience, a huge mm. culture change. Um, for me, uh, my group of friends who I still talk to now, it made me very close to, uh, branching out to other cultures was kind of easier for me in that way. Um, because I was surrounded by other cultures growing up. And so, uh, but it was fine with me being one of the tokens, (laughs) one of the two, um, black children into the chorus. It didn't, uh, the friends that I had around me, they didn't run away from me or anything we didn't like put me in a corner somewhere we became very good friends and mm-hmm. so I think it actually helped them as well mm-hmm. um have this uh, black friend 
uh, that they now, uh, I'm sure it's definitely helped them kind of be more accepting of mm-hmm. other cultures yeah. um, as they grew up. Yeah. Um, I mean, would have been maybe more accepting if there was more than one of us. <laughs> I, but there, I feel like the area of Winnipeg that we were in, there just wasn't too many yeah. um, just people of color just in that area. Mm. Um, so, but growing up, that was fine. Um what so I am I'll just say this so people know uh, my mom is from Jamaica mm-hmm. and my dad uh, my uh, biological dad which I have never met mm-hmm. is from Trinidad mm-hmm. and so I am Jamaican Trinidadian descent yeah. uh, mostly Jamaican at this point because yeah. that's what I grew up with that was mm-hmm. the families that I knew mm-hmm. growing up uh, my stepdad is Ukrainian mm-hmm. uh, right now and so I've I love his family. I love Aww. the Ukrainian culture. So I love eating all the foods when they come over. <laughs> I, I talk about food so much. Um, <laughs> that's what I love so much. It's uh, not a bad obsession to yes. have. I'm not going to hate on it's it. It's how you can share love throughout no, the world no. with the what? different different dishes that people have. Um, so yes, I love uh, my stepdad uh, very much. Um, he comes with us. So I've been to Jamaica quite often. He'd come with us to Jamaica, and he's very, you know he's Canadian. He is white, <laughs> he's balding, he's there with his little uh, I Love Jamaica t-shirt. And he would always be, like, trying to talk in an accent, trying to talk in no. patois with my family. Does he speak patois? No, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. No, no, no. But he he tries. would always be like, hey, man. And you're like, mm, that's my dad. Um, <laughs> that's my dad. So definitely all the stores would look at us and up the prices up uh-huh. 50%. Because they're like, you're not from here. Like My mom, luckily, can turn on her accent um, off and on like that. Yep. Uh, she moved to Winnipeg when she was around... Uh, 17, mm. uh, 18. Yeah. So she's lived in Winnipeg for a while, uh, but she can switch her accent to either being, if she's talking on the phone with her friend yes. from Jamaica, that accent just comes out. Mm-hmm. When she's on a work call, the accent disappears <laughs> yeah. and she becomes a whole new human. I so, understand that. Yes. People look at me weird when the different accents come yes, out and I'm yes. like, don't you judge me. No, this is what happens. <laughs> it happens. I think it's a good thing. I, <laughs> I enjoy so. it. Yes. I enjoy it. So she would get us those discounts mm. um, mm-hmm. <laughs> on all the places. Um, but yeah, so that was my uh, kind of culture growing up. Yeah. And in Winnipeg, so we, my family or extended family, we have our own little community center uh, called the uh, Afro-Caribbean Center. And through that center, we'd bring all the extended family in for different like Mother's Day teas, uh, Christmas parties, yeah. uh, where we'd come and celebrate everyone and gather together as a group. Uh, so I had that growing up. Um, and that would happen every so often, like every month or so, there'd be an event or every couple months. Wow. Um, so even though I was surrounded by <laughs> people that were not from Jamaica or not, um, from my culture mm-hmm. uh, per se, mm-hmm. um, we would get that little dose of culture every a uh, few months, which I think really was great mm-hmm. um, to see all the family and cousins. I love going back to Winnipeg and gathering, getting together with all my cousins mm-hmm. and 
you've been either going to a movie together yeah. or just uh, having a gathering and having everyone over for a barbecue and things like that. Yeah. I love, that's why I love returning to Winnipeg all the mm-hmm. time because all my family is there, the extended family. How often do you go back to Jamaica at this point? So Jamaica, all? so uh, for Jamaica, one of the main, main reasons we used to go back pretty often, like every year or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, my great-grandma uh, lived to be 104. Wow. Or 103. <laughs> so we would go back and uh, visit with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she has since passed away, and it's been uh, quite a few years. Um, so the family is less, we don't go down there as often as we used to go. So I haven't been down there now for quite some time. Um, there's a bit weirdness there when it comes to homophobia and things. That oh, is I'm it not... still a fairly homophobia? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that is awful. a bit iffy. Um, is it outward? Is it like kind you of just people don't say it to say... the... Oh, you keep it to yourself? You keep that to yourself oh. in Jamaica. Um, so there's that. How does that fit into your... I, your thoughts about going back to Jamaica because obviously like you're just you're who you are yeah. you can't change who you are when mm-hmm. you go there do you, how do you reconcile that do you just like say okay for this month that I'm in Jamaica we're not going to talk about it yes. and I won't talk about it with my family well, that's what normally that was what would be the case oh. in my past times being there I'd be like so we're just not going to talk about this for oh. this amount of time in Jamaica yeah. I feel like if you go to Jamaica and you go to the resorts mm-hmm. you're a bit better yeah. we'd always stay with family yeah so you'd be like deep in the center of a bunch of the uh, towns there mm-hmm. so um a little worse off uh, saying things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a thing. But if I was to go back, like I'd, I'd have a good time. Mm-hmm. I do love Jamaica a bit. It's a part of me, even though I, know I was born in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a part of me. Um, but definitely it would just be <laughs> stay at the resort. <laughs> maybe not say too, too much about anything <laughs> related to homosexual. How was your reception in Winnipeg? Because Vancouver's pretty open. Mm-hmm. Like, we're a very accepting society. Yes. As is Toronto. Yeah. I have no idea what the scene is like in Winnipeg at all. Yeah. What is it like? <laughs> um, it's hard for me to say because a lot oh. of it was very, well, <laughs> a lot of it was very closeted. Okay. Um, when I grew up, and it was definitely because, uh, again, my family's Jamaican, mm-hmm. love them very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the older people in the family, not so good when it comes to uh, people uh, uh, being homosexual and mm-hmm. such. So I was afraid to say anything for all of my life until okay. I basically left and went to Ontario, and then I was very open about it. So my new uh, community of uh, cohort and friends, yeah. I was like, I can say anything to these oh. friends of mine in Ontario. Yeah. And from that, I opened up when I went back to uh, Winnipeg. And, and my family was very accepting, good. Um, which is good. 
I don't think there's really much else to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll end by saying thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. This was a treat, not only to me, I'm sure everyone who <laughs> listens to this is going to just love it so much. So just get ready for the outpouring of love and support oh, and kindness. You're this is amazing. No, oh. I love this idea of a podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's going remotely well, so I think that's all we could ask for. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very good to get um, people to know some of the research that's out there. From, yeah. Uh, some of the minorities that are out there Yay. as well. Yeah. We're repping for more than ourselves, and that's something that, you know, it's, it's a burden, but it's a blessing. I always felt like... I didn't always just represent me. I represented like people who look like me, people who didn't, but just identified with the fact that I was a minority. Yes. And I don't know, it feels good. I hope it feels good to you too. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I like seeing some of the inspiration that um, it has flown out there too. Yeah. To other uh, up, up and coming researchers yeah. in STEM that are of uh, visible minorities. Too. Yeah. 